Hello everybody and welcome back to the technical area, your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Graymo, once again. I hope you're keeping well as the world begins to return to some sense of normality. I hope you're keeping well, I hope things are starting to normalise and, you know, get back to the way they once were for you and whatever way, shape or form that is right now. But of course, most excitedly, in terms of the new normal, is the return of football. And last week we got treated to the Bundesliga, we've had the K-League. The Premier League clubs have returned to training this week. The Serie A clubs have been given a date. In Spain there seems to be some sense of things returning. So there is that sense of excitement that, you know, we're, th- we're getting through... We're getting to this, getting back to where we want to be, getting back to where we once were. And I suppose there is some sense of excitement out there as well that, you know, of the challenges, the new ways, shapes and forms which you could see football go. Obviously, big challenges will be faced ahead. Football manager will have to adapt, you know, could the game be delayed possibly to wait and see how things change? We'll have, that's of course, we'll have to wait and see what the, the approach is what we trust Miles and the SI team there to do their best. And it's interesting to see so many ideas, so many theories being floated about. And obviously, you know, it's a very, very complicated issue with, you know, clubs not wanting to be relegated, you know, clubs wanting the seasons just to be voided the way they are. You know, it's, it's very, very tough, very, very challenging to see where, you know, the, the true journey in football goes. I suppose one of the topics as well being suggested is that we could see the abol- the, well, the postponement, the abolishment of p- domestic cup competitions next season in order to try and accommodate football shortened calendar in the 2020-2021 season. The one theory I've had, one kind of working idea I've had and I've been talking to, you know, people I'd be talking to more on a daily basis and at home and outside and wherever would be wouldn't it be great to see maybe use like the League Cup in some way, shape or form as a potential, in England say the League Cup using it as a potential like pre-season tournament. Small groups, support the local teams nearby, it reduces the impact of domestic travel, which obviously you know the big clubs may be not too happy with because of the potential loss of earnings. We use the League Cup, have a couple of groups, and then come out of groups and we go into the knockout stages and where every team has been given an opportunity to play. And you suppose if you wanted as well, in another way, you know, you could use like the likes of the Johnson's Paint Trophy, if that's what it's still called. Check a trade trophy, isn't it now? Using t- tournaments like that, using them, condense them, make them pre-season tournaments. You know, start the season off with a trophy and before the Community Shield as well, I suppose. But yeah, So that's a talk for another day in another podcast, not a football manager one. So, I suppose, you know, in football manager terms, I haven't got an awful lot of news to report. Mainly because I've been a little bit distracted. Um, I waited on the last dance for all 10 episodes to be available on Netflix. So, I'm only getting on the, the last dance boat, now on that last, last dance train. So, I kind of watched, finished and watched Medici Masters of 
Medici Magnificent Masters, Medici Masters of Florence, I can't remember the name of it. It's the top of my head, but and I end up playing Medieval Total War, a game that I played as a kid, and I've gotten back in, and it's distracted me a little bit from my football manager time, but the plan today is to indulge myself a little bit more in the football manager time as the work week stops from home and, you know, the, the time to enjoy football manager can return. Hopefully, though, the, the last dance won't be too much of a distraction where I'll be wanting a basketball version of football manager sometime soon, but... Again, talk for another day in another podcast. Thing is, oh, in football, I've made it to January. I'm coming into the last week of the month. Uh, just reached 100 games in charge of Ren. Some of the fans aren't too pleased with my tenure. They're kind of saying, oh, look, it's, maybe it's time for him to go. If you want me to go, I'll go. I don't mind. But we're sitting second in the league, so I'm pretty happy we're coming into the Europa League now as well. We've gotten through to the... Europa League after our Champions League run came to an unfortunate end, I suppose. So there may be a, a blog post dropping soon enough, kind of going through the, the ins and outs there. So it's one of the big talking points of Football Manager this week has been the set pieces, the hacks, the issues, the disasters. FM is broken, FM, it's a joke this year, whatever it is. My own personal take on it, like, I've been very quiet, I've seen a lot of it there, and I've been, oh, I've been very quiet on Twitter the last while. But I suppose for me, you know, there's always been some sense, there's been always been some sort of imbalance in football manager. There always has been an issue. Whether if you play three central strikers, you'll always score. If you put corners to the back post, you'll always score. If you play this certain shape, you'll always win, whatever it was. And for us as FM players, it's just been up to us to adapt, to try and cope with these issues, try and cope with these challenges, and try and deal with them in as best a way as possible. Obviously, it is a challenge. Obviously, it is frustrating because it's not like going up against a team who have one perceived strength. It's not like going up against Stoke, where Rory Delap is going to be throwing the ball in, and in that one match, you know, chance are you going to concede from a throw in? This is a different, I suppose, because it's in every match. Every team has the same advantage and disadvantage, but it's up to us to get creative. It's up to us to find ways to deal with these problems. I know it's challenging, I know it's frustrating. But I suppose for us, that's the best way, you know, to go try and find a way to, to make a difference, just to cut out those issues. This week on the podcast, we're starting into, you know, an experiment on my sense. We're going to go for a three kind of part mini series where the next three episodes are going to have the same kind of working title, the same group title. And that's the rise of the new club. So in the three-part mini-series, we're going to look at three distinct areas in terms of what we're seeing, the rise of the new clubs in world football. This week, we're going to start off with uh, affiliate links between clubs, so the networking between clubs. Part two, next week, we'll be looking at the B team, taking some inspiration from what Brentford have done, and then looking across Europe and seeing how the B team or the second team does in lower domestic leagues and seeing uh, what advantages there are to those models. And the advantages are for those players. And then, of course, finishing off part three, we're going to look at Moneyball and analytics in a specific amount of detail. So, of course, your involvement will be greatly welcomed. If you are enjoying them, please feel free to share them. We can get as many voices on the podcast each week. That will make a huge difference. So, again, before I start into the topic now this week, I want to thank everyone who did get involved because without your voice, without your input, without your kind of thought-provoking extra comments, podcast will be very bland it's just me and my ideas 
But nonetheless, let's get let's get started. So affiliate links have become an integral part of football more visibly in recent years. And since its arrival into the Football Manager series, we as players have seen how the nature of these links have evolved over time and how these relationships can be used to benefit both parties. Football clubs have needed to get clever in order to book the trend of the rich rising to the top, with many clubs evolving and changing in order to reach new heights. While networking has been seen as an individual action, where people might call upon acquaintances, make friends in certain areas in order to boost their successes, organisations have always done the same and are doing the same and have now moved into the world of football and using these networking opportunities to fulfil a variety of needs for the brand. Mutual benefits do exist for all. Even though these networks may not be entirely local, often crossing borders, oceans and continents, for every club who gets involved, they always look as to what they can get out of each of these situations. Now Mike, that's according to FM, wrote a piece for the byline not too long ago, talking about using utilising affiliate clubs in a Wednesday wisdom piece. So if you're looking to see your affiliates or you're looking to see the affiliates of another club, if you go into club info and then if the affiliates tab is just across the top, you can see the links your club has already established. From there you can spot weaknesses, you can spot areas of strength. And you can see, is there an opportunity to create a new link? Is there a new opportunity to try something new? Are there links that could be re-established where a new club is found in order to, to meet a need that you have? For clubs, they can fall under two categories, a senior affiliate or a junior affiliate. When you're a senior affiliate, you can set up an affiliation that gives you priority over other clubs. For example, an option on first option on other clubs' players to loan your young players out to these clubs to give them the opportunity to gain first-team football, to recruit the young players who come through the youth setups at these clubs, whether it's domestic or abroad. So as a senior affiliate, you are in charge of the link. The link is so it's more beneficial to you because you are the one who controls it. Where if you're in a junior affiliate, you're often being the one that, although you can take advantage of having uh, young players from a senior club sent down to you it's often a case if you aren't the one who's going to make the biggest kind of gains in some ways from this you're not going to be the one who's in control of what happens you can bring in these young players of higher quality and higher standard than you might not be able to attract to the club because of the links you have and of course there usually is a fee involved so again you're increasing your opportunity for income there as well something we discussed not too long ago on the Financial Management Podcast here. When you set up affiliates, especially internationally, they give you a chance to boost your scouting knowledge, to give you a foothold into increasing the knowledge of the players in a certain nation because of the links your scouting team would set up with theirs. And that is a huge and that's a big advantage as well if you are looking to try and cash it out and find more wonder kids from great nations that have you know, a certain history of producing them. Touching back again on the financial benefits, there's plenty of them. Annual fees, if you're a junior affiliate, can certainly keep the club, you know, financially stable. 
annual friendlies can also be a great one as well giving you the opportunity to boost gate receipts in some sort of you know prestigious pre-season friendly while if you are a senior affiliate you can also find a junior affiliate internationally that can boost your commercial opportunities and again as we've spoken about in the financial management podcast not too long ago if you can boost your commercial revenue that will have a significant you know influence and increase on add in in your financial statements in boosting the finances of the club the financial security of the club and every club as we know needs that money and football manager 20 we can all approach affiliation and club networking in different ways and that's where the questions started to come out have you focused on developing affiliate links for youth development for football manager because that seems to be one of the most popular ways that people use it in terms of blog posts and everything i've seen interesting enough only 40 percent of voters said yes 60 percent said no so it all doesn't seem to be a major focus of a lot of people this year and then when those people have gone looking for junior affiliates 100 percent of the people who vote on the poll which is something i've never seen before well certainly in a long time anyway 100 percent of people look for a junior affiliate where they can loan out your players rather than recruit the prospects from these other clubs and that's very interesting as well for me that it's seeing that people are looking to give players this opportunity to develop and control it where they go and what they do now in terms of these affiliates in terms of moving players between links i suppose that's the best place is the best opportunity for us to start talking about the club that inspired this podcast and that's fc nordschland from denmark so fc nordschland and the right to dream academy from ghana have developed a unique relationship so the Right to Dream Academy was set up in Ghana under the um, model devised by and under the, kind of the, the leadership of Tom Vernon, who was a scout for Manchester United and a coach. With the success of the academy in Ghana, an opportunity arose. And Tom Vernon was part of a group that led the purchase of FC Nordland. So with a shared ownership in place between these cl- two cl- between these two organisations, Nordland the club and the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana, this has offered young talents from Ghana a gateway into European football with the Danish club. Now, as I get stuck into you know talking about Nordland, talking about the Right to Dream, and the other clubs, the other models that are in place, the information has of course come from the internet. I've done my research. The sources can be found linked below. So if you are looking to see where I got this information and have a read of it yourself and maybe kind of go into some further detail, the places to below, they'll all be linked below for you to have a look in the episode notes, the podcast notes with this episode. So in 2016, the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana bought FC Nordland. And FC Nordland now have the youngest team across all of Europe's top divisions. The Right to Dream Academy was founded with the idea from Tom Vernon, who believed that sport offered a way out of extreme poverty for children to build a better life for themselves. So although that may not be something that can influence football manager, we can't set up an academy, we can't find academies that provide opportunities like this. I think it's important just to give the background of this Right to Dream Academy. So why FC Nordsland and where does this club kind of come into the picture? Well, in 2003, Farum BK in Denmark was bought out by AKP Holding, 
and rebranded as FC Northland. Named after the North Zealand region, to clarify the club was to represent both the region as well as the town in which the club was situated. To reinforce the status as a regional team, a network of local football teams from the surrounding area was created, consisting of around 66 teams, with the aim to highlight young talent in the region and to bring it to the attention of the national audience via FC Northland. The network is known as Football Summerbide Northland FSN. Now, if I had a check last night, if you look at FC Northland and Football Manager, you will see their affiliation links are significant to the amount of clubs they are linked with in Denmark. There is a link with Manchester City, although FC Northland are not part of the City group, which we will talk about a little bit later on the podcast. It is an interesting link to see that City do have the pathway there with that link up with FC Northland. And of course, and if you look at FC Northland and Football Manager, not only is the stadium called the Right to Dream uh, Academy Park, but you look at the youth facilities, youth coaching and junior coaching and recruitment, they're all excellent. So this is certainly a great club to look at. I know FC, I think Samo looked at these in the beta, but Northland could be a fantastic club to start if you're looking at one of these youth academy development bases because of the resources there. Now, FC Northland, obviously because they're a fairly new club in terms of where they've come from, the initial start where the club found its feet has brought success quite rapidly. In 2009-10, a first trophy with the Danish Cup was followed by the 2011 Super League title, the first one in the club's history. The success of the club hasn't stopped there, and right now we're looking at a squad composed of you know, eight Ghanaian players and 13 Danish players in the current setup of the squad. So the current makeup of the squad does have strong links in Denmark based off that homegrown academy approach, that network approach they have, as well as the eight Ghanaian players. So maybe something for us to aspire to at our saves, if we have academy links that we can bring in and increase the number of players, become a gateway club almost, if the opportunity is there, depending on the club we're managing, of course. Now, the Right to Dream Academy is a fully residential academy and a Cambridge International School, where the aim is to develop future leaders and role models within the realms of sport, business and academia. Again, it was in, just trying to build context here. In 2016, the Academy's founder and a group of investors acquired Northland with the ultimate vision to build a team of entirely Academy players. With an average age of 22 at FC Northland, committing to develop young players and offer them opportunities at a professional level is the club's philosophy. And not only is it FC Northland that are benefiting from the model we're seeing at the Right Stream Academy, but at a consistent basis over the last couple of years, Three to five players on average each year earn student-athlete scholarships to go and play football at a collegiate level in the United States, with five of these graduates from the Right to Dream Academy now playing in the MLS. So if you're even planning a save in America with the MLS, although you may not be able to develop an affiliation link and maximise an affiliation link with the Right to Dream Academy in the way other clubs have been, the opportunity to bring these to draft these players does exist. And with the Right to Dream Academy model, with that overhead model, including at FC Norton, the idea is 
It's a not-for-profit organisation where any money raised by the club is reinvested in youth academy, in youth development. And that, I suppose, is a great model as well, if you go back to that, for, for that financial manager episode we did, at reinvesting anything we, any profits we have, try and cut down those profits each year and look and see, just redeveloping it in the club as best as possible. Seven players to come through the academy have been capped by Ghana. And 60% of the current squad, so like I said, there's eight of the squad are Ghanaian and 13 are Danish. 60% of the players have come through the two, either of the two academies. The target, of course, is 100%. And the club are working actively towards that. Because as a whole club squad, a club, at a club level, the squads are made up of a, of 88% of players have come through the academy at some stage, either of the two academies. The last four years have seen FC Nordsland reach European qualifiers. So again, this model is not compromising success on the pitch, even though it is has does have some sort of long-term view in terms of the development. They have an overall football philosophy as well, with players playing a system that emphasises fast decision-making. And the thing is, when these players know they, there is a pathway, a clear pathway for them to make it to the first team, to make it to the FC Nordsland, they have the determination and motivation to succeed knowing that they can reach the first team. Good transfer values are also a key part of the club's financial model. But the club is realigning the moral compass of European academies because their focus is developing a player holistically, not just in the football nature. They're trying to develop the person, not just the player. Because, and one of the best examples of that is the club has joined up with Juan Mata's common goal, where 1% of the club's turnover, gate receipts, all of that is donated to the common goal project. And the players are encouraged actively, not just contribute to that common goal, but also to contribute to local charities, give back to the communities after their training sessions each day, community outreach sessions and football manager possibility there for you to develop your players in that sort of sense as well now going from kind of this model where FC North where there is a clear academy pathway trying to develop the youngest team in Europe something we can all aspire to in football manager and we do have the tools to develop such a model in some ways on the other side there is the Red Bull Empire now some people see the Red Bull Empire as an evil in football because the Red Bull Empire has changed sports. Not just being a cross-sport venture. You look at Red Bull, they're involved in nearly every sport in some way, shape or form. But in football, Red Bull have a multi-club venture. And they've changed the nature of networking and affiliates. Totally, in a way, no one has seen before. Because... The primary backer of each of these clubs is a corporate brand, a corporate entity. The Red Bull Network has seen the brand become the forefront of the identity of the football clubs under their ownership. So where FC Nordsland are working with this right to dream approach, the right to dream academy network where everything is reinvested, it's not for profit, it's about developing character. It's not as almost in your face in the way that we see with Red Bull. And the thing with the Red Bull Empire is, is it a source of bad in football? 
because they are perceived to exemplify all that is wrong with football. The origin of ownership, increased sponsorship visibility, a modernisation that moves away from the long-held principles of the game of football. The view that the Red Bull clubs are plastic and soulless exists all across the world, with many seeing them in the same vein as they might see Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain. Now, while other clubs across the world are looking to corporate entities to become sponsors in, as they auction off name rights to stadia, to stands, and then to have a place on their jerseys, Red Bull has taken naming rights to a whole new level. Not just with the names of the stadia, not just with the sponsorship on the front of the jerseys, but with the naming rights of each club. Sponsoring the name of each club and it gives them unprecedented market access that no other club almost can offer. When that first acquisition happened of Austria Vienna, they rebranded the club. Uh, taking the license sorry, from Austria Vienna. They rebranded the club. They've rebranded, they changed the crest, the colours, and the essence of this local club with S with Salzburg, as we've seen the rise of Red Bull Salzburg. Now, I'm not trying to vindicate, I'm not normally trying to vilify anybody out there who manages a Red Bull team, who sponsors a Red uh, team, or sorry, who plays with a Red Bull team, a football manager. I'm just trying to navigate kind of this perception that there exists around the club. Because although they may be seen to be evil at a surface level, if you start to scratch and look underneath, there's certainly more than meets the eye. As the club has expanded, as the network sorry, has expanded across the world from New York, Brazil, Leipzig, especially rebranding and reorganizing and finding a way to create uniformity across the brand has been key. The Leipzig ownership model, I suppose, has been the and the, the acquisition of a club in Leipzig has been the most controversial because they found a way to circumvent the fifty plus one rule that governs German football. And although many People in Germany may be opposed to Leipzig and their, I suppose, very, very in-your-face branding. Other clubs in Germany also have significant corporate backers. Schalke, Wolfsburg, Bayer Leverkusen. And although they may be steeped in history, it does seem that those clubs kind of seem to be just forgotten about when you look because of the overt nature in which Leipzig present themselves. But the thing about RB Leipzig is, in the first 10 years of the club, I know the club recently celebrated their 11th birthday, but in the first 10 years of the club, the club operated at a net transfer spend of minus 33 million. So the club is actually operating very, very sound financially and is also achieving success at the same time. Because what Leipzig is showing is something that permeates all across the brand. Young, exciting players who have their price, of course, who play football in a positive, exciting way. Red Bull have heavily invested in youth academy framework across the brand to develop players, give them a clear pathway, and have a clear vision of success. They scout across Europe and the world to find young talent at smaller clubs. You know, like Willy Orban, who they brought in from Kaiserslautern, key to the, not just the promotions but also the success they've had in the Bundesliga and Naby Keita came, who came in from East 
Managers have now started to move through the brand as well. Jesse Marsh, the current manager of Red Bull Salzburg, got his break at New York Red Bulls. Spent a time as the assistant at Leipzig before making his way, I think it was Leipzig, making his way down to Salzburg this season. So it's a case of even now for managers, they're using as a pathway to grow and develop. Marsh coming from the American, kind of a league structure, the American football sphere into the European one. A challenge that not many managers have had much success with, especially if you look at how Bob Bradley was received at Swansea during his time. Now, the Atlantic's Will Parchment enthusiastically tweeted not that long ago, the Red Bull in today's MLS have the best top-down organisation in the entire league. They have the best youth integration, the best succession planning, good, if imperfect, scouting focus for what their budget will allow. Just love what they do. And I suppose that's a great way to look at the Red Bull Empire. Don't look at Red Bull, don't look at them in the way, you know, the, the vicious lens, but look at what they're achieving and look at how they're operating. They press high, all the teams press high. They play and move sharply all across the pitch. Because what Red Bull are doing, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, they have something that clubs should be aspiring to, not something that they should be derided for. So although their identity, their look can make them a target, what the club do, has done is shake up the football landscape. Salzburg have a club culture that is clearly defined all the way down to academy level. Scouts, sorry, scouts and coaches know the profile of the players the club wants. Everybody knows in our scouting department which players we're searching for. 16, 17, 18, 19, maximum 20 years old. Also, which player we want to find? We need speed, intelligence, good mentality, good character, fast in the head. That's what Red Bull Salzburg Sporting Director Christoph Freund has said. So there is a clear identity, there's a clear scope of what they are looking for. And it's not just domestic, they will look internationally for this. They have state-of-the-art youth facilities. If you look Google the Alpine Red Bull Academy, it is phenomenal. It is a basis for Liverpool's new training base. They're building at Kirby. The one that they're moving away from Melbourne to look. And it's influenced by what Red Bull have done. And not only do these state-of-the-art youth facilities attract the best young players, but it gives them innovative ways to develop a high develop themselves at a high quality. So that the Red Bull brand can bring through players who are a huge advantage because of the uh, investment in youth development, youth recruitment and youth coaching. They bring players in and of course sell players as well to give them the opportunity to make the next step in their careers. To give them the ability to play for a bigger club. Scouts are world have a worldwide scope. Because the club and brand has grown at a global level. Domestic affiliates can allow Red Bull to send players on loan as well. Drop down to the second tier, the third tier. The idea then is to build up experience in that league system, that league culture. And have players coming through, ready to go. And I think that's just phenomenal. Where like, I might have bought a Red Bull jersey before because it's like, oh that's Red Bull, they're evil, they're not real, you know. My own research here has totally changed my perspective and it's hard not to i'm a huge fan of julian nagelsmann like many people across the world seem to be and looking at you know his leipzig team over the next few years is going to be very very interesting 
after the success he had with Hoffenheim. Salzburg put up a huge kind of uh, challenge to Liverpool in this year's Champions League. And for me, as a Liverpool fan, I couldn't but admire them. And the fact that Liverpool have purchased not just Takumi Minamino recently from Salzburg, but Sadio Mane and Naby Keita, who come through the Red Bull brand as well. It's showing that, you know, the calibre of players that Red Bull are producing and identifying and developing, you know, should be applauded. The fact they're operating at, like, a negative net transfer spend is something we should all be aspiring to as well in football. And I really look forward to watching, you know, that kind of culture develop. Of course, you know, we do want to preserve the traditional principles of the game. But times do change. And it's hard not to, you know, applaud some of these models because they are something to be aspired to, not something to be derided, as I've already said. And it was something that I did ask the community. What are your thoughts of the Red Bull group and the Man City group approach to club affiliation? Should it be something we aspire to in Football Manager? 33% of voters, so a third of voters said it's not welcome in football. And two thirds said they totally aspire to it. Now I can say I definitely aspire to what the Red Bull model is. But the City group, that approach is something that, you know, is a new and interesting one. And that will be an interesting one to see how that develops as well. Especially given what's happening with Manchester City at the moment. In terms of the European ban and the financial fair play issues that exist there as well. Because the City Group has taken the lead from the Red Bull Empire. And has grown it in their own way. As clubs are acquired. You know, not necessarily rebranded and to become uniform in their appearances in the way Red Bull have done. But the clubs are acquired to have a benef- mutual benefit to each other. And of course you know, City are the centre at the centre of this model, at the top of the pile, they're the ones who dictate the way this model is going. And I suppose one of the most interesting aspects of the way the City Group development has been recently for me has been the transfer of Zach Steffen to New York City FC. Now, if you're not aware, Zach Steffen was a phenomenal goalkeeper, possibly the best in the MLS, and he's playing for Columbus Crew. Now, obviously, following the tri- the model, the transfer model that exists in the MLS, New York City FC, who are a club set up by Manchester City and the New York Yankees, they were unable to complete a trade. They were unable to reach an agreement that would see Stefan traded from the crew to New York NYC FC. Manchester City then moved in. They purchased Stefan for, I believe, a fee of around £7 million, which was a record sale for a goalkeeper. Stefan making the transfer from Columbus Crew to Manchester City. Stefan was then loaned by Manchester City to New York City FC for two years. That has given NYCFC the player they always wanted, without having to give up much capital to make the move happen because it was a sister club that made the move. It's an interesting way, I don't know how that would work for us in football manager, but it w- it's certainly of course something we all want to do, that if we are a junior affiliate, that we are able to bring, you know, to bring in players from our senior affiliate, uh, who you know we may not necessarily have the means to bring in and will certainly improve the quality of the squad in a short term way 
We've also seen the likes of Patrick Vieira and Frank Lampard make the moves to Manchester City. And then, of course, have influential times at NYCFC. Vieira as a manager. And Lampard, of course, with his, you know, his MLS adventure. Mix Discarud has been also a name that's you know popped up through the City group. Moving from NYCFC in the MLS to Melbourne City via Manchester City. The Melbourne City one is also an interesting acquisition by Man- Manchester City. Melbourne Heart was rebranded. Club re- re- renamed as Melbourne City. And of course the, the club colours were changed to tr- be closer to that sky blue of Manchester City. So this group made the move from one club in the City group to the other via Manchester City in the middle. The interesting one is supposed another interesting one is supposed to be in Jack Harrison, who, you know, got a lot of attention in the MLS playing for NYC not too long ago. And then made the move to Manchester City. An English in an English like national. Harrison has his move been influenced by, you know, City trying to satisfy their homegrown um needs, potentially. Or it's a case of, you know, he has had you know, see how he develop on loan in the European game. Something we're all monitoring quite closely as well. But what this network does, it allows CE insights into you players from all across Europe and the world. From South America, especially with the Uruguayan club. They found a way around, you know, to, to navigate the, you know, the difficulties in acquiring work permits in the way other clubs like uh, Chelsea might do with Vitesse, Arnhem, Manchester United, Donald Royal, Antwerp and Belgium. Because with City now acquire, is it um, Lommel? Lommel, that have become part of the Manchester City group in Belgium, and then, of course, to give to they also have connections that allow the players to develop internationally at the top level because of their um, connections with uh, Girona, NYCFC, and Melbourne City give Man- Manchester City the global audience and appeal, a foot in new recruitment and development from these nations and regions and a commercial arm to draw in new support, to create these new connections. And while recent acquisitions of clubs in China, India, and even Japan as well, this has given City an opportunity to merchandise again, grow a commercial arm, boost supporters, boost nature, and of course, have a look at the local markets. Something that when we become a senior affiliate and football manager who's playing at the top level, could be an opportunity for us to look at as well. And of course, you know, you, it, you can't go talking about like moves like the City Group, moves like Red Bull, without giving an honourable mention to Wofford, because of course the connections there between Wofford, Granada and New Daisy, under the ownership of the Pozzo family. Something that, you know, many people may not have accepted at some point in time, but as we're seeing in football now, it's becoming the new normal. I suppose a phrase we're hearing a lot is, at the moment in terms of the world, but even in football, we are seeing a new normal develop. With models like Red Bull, models like Manchester City, Nordsland, the Right to Dream Academy, and the and the Pozzo family's ownerships, we are seeing clubs that develop relationships that have a mutual benefit to each other. Players get to develop in competitive environments. Clubs can recruit from new areas. In some ways, is the game losing out because identity is being compromised? That is not something for me to say. That is something for you to consider. That's something for you personally to consider. But from my perspective, what I see, it's a case of if the game can grow, the quality of young players develop and we see a rise in the quality of the game, is it really a bad thing? 
and especially in football managers, we know the AI manager of some of these young players can often see us pick them up for nominal fees, if not on free transfers or long-term loans, something which we all enjoy as football manager players. Because let's not hide from it anymore. Club links are a vital part to the success of many clubs now and the rise of many clubs across Europe and the world. While tentative links, like what we've seen with Manchester United and Sporting Lisbon even, which led to Cristiano Ronaldo making the move to Manchester in 2003, while these tentative links have always existed in the game, the nature of these relationships is constantly changing and growing and modernising. Cross-sport links now exist, something which we cannot take advantage of in Football Manager, but something clubs in real life are doing like what we've seen with Manchester City and the New York Yankees coming together to form up New York City FC, a club that has had some levels of success in the United States. Groups like the City Group, Red Bull Empire, they all have their own distinct visions, their own identities, their own way of doing things. And this branches down, this trickles down all the way down to the academies of each of the clubs that joins up in these groups, that's part of these networking empires. In FM20, look at your affiliates the next time you load up. Maybe you're playing it now. Have a look now at the next opportunity you can and see what is the vision that you could have with those players, with those clubs, or with your club. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a positive review or share on your socials with your followers? Like I said at the top, you know, I really appreciate all the people who got involved, adding their thoughts in to, you know, an interesting topic that we've kind of been working on at the, like across this week and across the next two weeks as well. As we see, networking can become a part of the rise of the new club, so maybe you have your own thoughts. Feel free to throw them in after the podcast, comment down below on whatever social it is. Um, on Twitter usually is the main one I get involved but why not have that conversation now um, if you like the podcast of course please uh, again like, review, share I really really appreciate it it helps the podcast grow get in touch on Twitter the links for me Gaffer Graham and the podcast the technical area will be found down below weird community interactions do form a vital part of the podcast again repeat myself but you know, getting involved really does help each episode. So don't be afraid to add in your own thoughts, extra bits and pieces, not just clicking on the buttons on the pulse. This week we got a weird community plug from Black Sea FM, so something maybe you should all be checking out, and even me as well. Black Sea FM says, enjoying at Mark underscore Milligan underscore Queen's Park stream. Very thoughtful, considered approach to the game, especially tactics. Plus his team's producing successful, aesthetically appealing soccer. So, you'll find the link down below to Mark on Twitter. So, if you want to find, and then you'll be able to find your way through to Mark there on Twitch to see how his Queen's Park save is going. Something I must do, something you must do as well. Music for the podcast came from Pond5. Link for that is down, found down below. And, of course, the links for all the sources that gave... Um, you know, that you know gave me some thought-provoking things I hope to say this week. They'll be found down below as well. On a final note, I just want to say thank you very much again for listening. Episode, this is going to be in episode 26. Episode 27 is part two. 
we're going to be looking at the B teams, the second teams of clubs across Europe and the world and seeing how they can play a significant role in how your club could rise to the top if you develop and if you use them in an astute way. Polls will be going out next week. Please get involved. Again, I would be pleading, but you know, I'm trying to invite you as best I can to get your voice heard on this podcast. But until then, stay safe. Enjoy the football wherever it is that you get to watch it from. Enjoy your football manager, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye now.